What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it is film study for Ken McCusick. We're back after the bye week, just like the Ravens. We get to talk about the week 11, the third shutout of the season as the Ravens shut out the Packers 23-0 in Green Bay. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am uh, I'm doing well. I'm back from my little vacation, so I'm uh, readjusting to the normal, busy, stressful life of, of just the norm. How, uh, what were the highlights of the vacation? Give me one good one. I heard you got a bet down on the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I did get a bet down on the Ravens, and you know what? The odds are, are still are better in my favor. I got uh, 80 to 1 odds for the Ravens to win it all. Uh, that feels about right, the chances That's... of the Ravens. That's, that feels pretty good. 
Um, I think after they won in Green Bay, I believe the um, it now is the odds are not. I guess the odds are better, which for yes. me is worse. Means I bet at the right time. That's correct. So um, yeah, I did. I placed twenty bucks because why not? I was down in the Bahamas. Why not take a chance to win sixteen hundred bucks? We'll have some fun with that the rest of the year. I'm sure we're oh, valuing that ticket. Right. We'll see how long it lasts. I mean, I was happy that it it's it's still uh, it's still worth it as the Ravens right now are in a playoff spot. Correct. Yeah, they're they're in very strong playoff position. I mean, it it really would take a true pessimist, you know, somebody who thinks that Baltimore is inferior in a lot of ways to really think the Ravens are not in the prime spot for the playoffs. They're a big favorite against Houston. It's a big game coming up, but. Uh, you know, they're about a 72, 73% implied chance to win that game. Uh, that would almost secure the playoff spot that game alone. That, that is crazy to think about the talks we were having just a few weeks ago that they are still in this. Um, it shows you really how mediocre this league is this year. And if the Ravens have shown us anything, it's get in the playoffs and then anything can happen. That's right. I mean, one of the points is that the last five times the Ravens have made the playoffs and started on the road, they've beaten their opponent by an average score of 28 to 10. So they've handed them their collective asses. And that's Miami in 2000, Miami in 2008, New England in 2009, uh, who am I forgetting here, Kansas City in 2010, they decimated them, and Pittsburgh in 2014. Yeah, it's they, uh, we all know that as as the Joe is a guy who becomes a different guy in playoffs, and as frustrating as he's been to watch this season, we know if he can get into the postseason, he becomes that playoff Joe. I, I certainly hope the offense can put some things together, develop some sort of very basic identity, even if it's just like the two thousand team that they can run the ball a little bit and wait for the defense to do something special. And and this defense is as we saw yesterday, is perfectly capable of doing some very special things. You know, at the end of this episode, we, we're going to go through our defensive MVPs, and I wasn't sure when I was putting my MVPs together if I was allowed to put Brashard Perryman on my defensive MVP list for this week <laughs> because the Ravens made a big move by setting him back. They did. They deactivated him. Uh, Harbaugh had some things to say about it in the press conference. He said he hopes he's pissed off about it. Uh, he probably is, but that he'll be back. And uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I thought the Ravens' remaining career for Brashad Perriman might have been seven weeks going into this game, and now it's six. So if they cut him at the end of three years, because there is a cap savings, I don't think they'll do it, but there, there would be a cap savings, um, then they, you know, they've only got six weeks of Brashad Perriman left, and you don't sit him on the bench for one of those if you're seven. You cut it to six now. Right. You don't sit him on the bench for one if you tend to have him be a franchise player. Right. Sure. Well, he... Tried to watch the game yesterday, but dropped the remote. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of setup for that joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I should I let you just get right there to was it. Much setup. I just. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of some way that we got to transition into this game because the Ravens have the Ravens played a great game yesterday, and well, the defense did. They got their third shutout of the year, which is hard to do. The list of teams who have made three shutouts in a year. It has a lot of Super Bowl winners on that on that mm -hmm. list. It's rare, and it really brings me back to, all right, is this defense really this good, or is um, Brett Hundley this bad? Uh, it's a little bit of a This is the Ravens' third shot of the season, not right. their first. Okay, right. so, so it's not let's start with Brett. that. Yes. So they beat a playoff contender, what, three, four weeks ago, whenever Miami, they played them 40 to nothing. They destroyed their here, yeah. but yes, and and they and that Miami is now showing they're not a playoff team, very definitely, and, and will not be close to getting a sniff of that action. And they beat a Cincinnati team that now may be the Ravens' biggest threat for the playoffs, uh, twenty to nothing on the road in the opener. So I, I'm very impressed with what this defense has done, and uh, you know obviously Hundley played a part in what happened yesterday, but I thought the the secondary as a whole played extremely well and uh, effectively allowed the Ravens' pass rush to get home in some additional time. So we'll talk about that when we have a chance. Right. So um, I guess how significant is now that there's been three shutouts? Well, in terms of history, there's only been two teams uh, with more. That the, 19, sorry, the 2000 Ravens with four and the 1976 Steelers with five. 
So it doesn't happen. Um, and you know, if you look at the list, there are a bunch of Super Bowl winners in that group, including the the uh, Ravens, of course. The Steelers did not get it done in their year of five shutouts. They lost to Oakland. But uh, anyway, it's a, it's a it's a laden a group laden with Super Bowl winners. The last team to do it was New England in two thousand three, and they they of course won the Super Bowl. The the Ravens still have the Bengals and Browns left on the schedule. You think they can get their fourth shutout? Well, I, I hate to look ahead at that. I mean, Terrell Suggs really talks about it the right way. It's like you're you're pitching a no hitter whenever you got one, and you just there's a whole lot of potholes that can go wrong. And you know, even if you're you come up against the worst 1988 Orioles you're pitching against, the chance of, of pitching a no hitter against them is still very slim. So I think you know we're we're really sure. it's not a high probability, right? Of course, and even if your defense is playing amazing, the offense can still give up points also. That's right. The offense can give up points or just get you in field goal range. If you give up scoring opportunities in the first half, that's usually the way shutouts get burned because field goals will be taken then. And Jimmy Smith bailed them out in this game with the interception when they were in the red zone, and then they really never got another good shot at it. They got close enough at, at, at a later point in the game where they had to go for it on fourth and six, I think it was. And at that point, if they uh, the Ravens are up, I think, 13 to nothing, so the touchdown... Even touchdown lead method was protecting the shutout at that point. So lots of ways it can it can get blown. Right. Uh, the Ravens going into this game got bad news before even, I guess, getting to Green Bay with uh, the fact that Ronnie Stanley wasn't going to be playing. That's right. So uh, Ronnie, right. Yeah, and I mean, obviously that, that really hurt the offense. How big of a deal was that? Huge. I mean, Ronnie Stanley obviously being out is their uh, best remaining lineman. You could some people would say Jensen, but Stanley at, at left tackle is certainly their most important, even if he's not their best. And then when he uh, uh, got moved out, of course, Hurst has to take over at left tackle. And then you lose your your good left guard, and you play at, turn him into a terrible left tackle. And that's exactly, of course, what happened yesterday. And even though the Packers lost Clay Matthews to a groin injury fairly early in this game, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, they still had a field day knocking Joe Flacco down uh, when he did throw the ball. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm going through some of these things that did not, not really the way the Ravens planned. And the other thing is, I guess, they got caught with only 10 men on the field. Yeah, well, you know, this is one of these things. You, you, you come off a bye week, and we expect some things. We expect the team to be healthy, and I think we got that. We expect the team to have some new wrinkles offensively and defensively. And we saw a little bit of that, but frankly, I think on offense, uh, they had to adjust to the fact that they weren't going to have Ronnie Stanley and that they had left guard and left tackle were in flux. And then those two players having been replaced meant they probably had to scrap some of the game plan that they had already. They probably had to say, well, we can't do that anymore. Um, so anyway, if, you, if you're coming off a bye, you expect to have a more scripted, easier chance to take advantage of the opponent. When they played Tennessee, for example, Adoree Jackson, who's a, a starting cornerback for them, had a 20-yard run on one of the first plays from scrimmage. And that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that you might see in a, in a game like this. Well, anyway, the unscripted really kind of ruled in this game. So we talked about the Ronnie Stanley thing. The second thing that was the, was the Ravens having this 10-man on the field situation. So it came late in the game. 2.12 left in the fourth quarter. So I don't know how many doghouse points are going to be assigned for this or if there's going to be a scaled-back number of doghouse points for this. But it's a, it's a, it's a hanging offense uh, to, to let this happen. So on the broadcast, you can see Mosley in the center of the defense. And he's looking around. The Packers have a two-back set on the field. So the Packers have already gone into give-up offense. They basically were going to run the ball at least once out of this set to just get the game over down 23 to nothing, avoiding okay. the additional injuries. So the Ravens had three defensive linemen in the game. Well, when they have three defensive linemen in the game, there's only one set of personnel that goes with that. You have four defensive backs. They had that. You have two outside linebackers. They had that. Of course, they counted up, and they had three defensive linemen. They had that. And then they need two inside linebackers. And Mosley counted it was only himself. So he looked like he was about to call timeout. Then the play started. Mosley rushed up, dislodged the football from, I think it was Williams, for the, or Mays, for his second fumble in the game. Their right tackle fell on the ball, and, and they, they got a gain of five out of the play. But the funny thing about it was, or not the not funny thing about it was, Mosley, after the play, punched the ground really hard. 
and he was on his knees as they went to the two-minute warning. At the same time, two other things happened. So I'm very fearful, by the way, that Mosley's hurt and the club's not saying anything about it yet. But but we may find that out as the week goes on, particularly okay. on Wednesday, that he's on the injury report. But Weddle raised his fist to the sideline as if we had a heavy personnel group on the field or some some other such measure. But anyway, it looked to me like Weddle also saw that they were short on personnel. Immediately, as soon as the play was over, Kamalai Correa came strolling onto the field and, and, and uh, buttoning up his chin strap. Because it might have taken longer to decide who the proper player was, I don't think that would have happened unless he was the guy who was supposed to be in there that series. But I can't say that for sure. It might have been Kamalai, and it could have been uh, Pino Dawaso. It could have been either of them, but it was definitely an inside linebacker who made the mistake. And then when they came back from the uh, timeout, Mosley left the field, which he never does. So he, he took the uh, series off, and Correa and, uh, and Owasu were the two inside linebackers at that point. So if I had to guess, I think it's probably Correa, but it could have also been Owasu. All right, and uh, Harbaugh came out today and says that Mosley has a, a ankle sprain, nothing negative. Nothing meaning meaning his X-rays are negative. His yes. all the other things. Okay, right. So hopefully nothing serious out of that. Thanks, Josh. I did not hear that yet. Yeah, um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully that's something that he just gets over this week. Okay, and they can move. Yeah, on. Would, the the team absolutely cannot play without him. He's he's as significant as Stanley in terms of the. Uh, importance to holding the whole defense together i do like harbaugh's comments after the game yesterday with mosley saying that he didn't think it was serious and that if he's hurt we're the dumbest coaching staff in america yeah that would they do usually take out the stars right. at the end of a game like that so. yeah so hopefully it is just minor all right but they didn't address the 10 men on the field did, did they uh, i did not see anything about that i was just checking uh -huh. up on mosley Okay, they had they had a um, when a ten man field occurred against Pittsburgh, and I think this was in about 2012. Shockey Brown, no, no, it must have been after that. Shockey Brown was still on the team, and he was cut immediately the following week. The play happened on third and 33, and Shockey was the nickel corner. So, I think that's a passing situation, maybe, and he should have known to be on the field. Well, he didn't. He didn't get on the field in time, and. They ran the play on third and 33, and amazingly, Dumerville sacked Roethlisberger anyway for the third straight sack in one series. But uh, Shockey Brown got cut over that. So we could okay. see a doghousing for this from uh, from Harbaugh. All right. Yeah, we do know he likes the doghouse. All right. Mm -hmm. um, the Ravens seemed to be playing a lot of dime yesterday, and the Packers were, were avoiding it. There was a lot of no huddle. Yeah, uh, there's a... A, a, a really good amount of no huddle on third down. And, and Rich Gannon did the game, and he commented on it uh, constantly, really, on third down. Is Here's the Packers again trying to keep the Ravens' exotic looks off the field. Exotic looks, I don't think Rich Gannon's actually ever met Dean Pease in terms of the exotic looks, but the dime defense, maybe from Dean's perspective, would be an exotic look, so maybe that's fair. Right. And anyway, they, they got the, the dime on the field 19 times during the game, and... On those 19 plays, the Packers gained only 2.3 yards per play. They were sacked four times, and they turned the ball over twice. 19 plays. That's pretty good. So, that's pretty good, yes. <laughs> um, there were three times where the Packers kept the Ravens from getting the dime in on a third and four, a third and seven, and a third and ten. All right. The third and four happened in Q1, and they threw a slant to Nelson for a gain of seven first down. The third and seven happened in Q2. They threw a six-yard pass to Adams. It didn't convert the play, but it, it set up fourth and one, and then they converted that on the ground. And then the, the third time, it was third and ten. It was late in the game. Q4, 12-52 is if you want to go back and look at the play. And uh, Vontae Adams uh, was slot right, and Patrick Owasu had to cover him, and he, no match for him. Uh, Adams ran a slant and caught the ball seven yards from the line of scrimmage, ran for eight more after the catch, and, and converted a third and ten. So it, it was important for the Ravens to get their get their dime on the field. And honestly, it's something where if you're two guys who have to come on and off really understand it, it shouldn't be hard to switch personnel, even if the other team is trying to stop you. So as long as Owasu and Levine are both completely cognizant of the situation. And Levine always would be on the sideline, but Awasu might be on the far side of the field making a play and then have to get to the opposite sideline. He's the player who really needs to know very quickly, i got to get off the field here 
based on down and distance. All right, so since that worked for the Packers, I imagine that's something the Ravens will be talking about this week. And adjusting? Yeah, probably. I would I would hope that they would get that right. I don't think it's something I don't think it's something difficult to overcome. It's not it's so, not something we're going to let other teams are going to be taken advantage of. It's something we should I, adjust and be okay. That that's right. I mean, Manning was always the the king of getting uh, extra man on the field penalties on the defense by getting the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball very quickly. So the Colts were very well trained on that. I think most of the teams, you know, particularly those with younger quarterbacks or or that are on the road and they can't really run their offense on the road as, as fast as they can at home, I think it's very difficult to be able to do that to keep the other team from substituting. Okay. Um, with uh, Brett Hundley, I guess there was, there was some pressure on him and it seemed like the pass rush was coming in from the secondary. I know I saw Jefferson well, come in a few times, right? Well, they had they had a couple of buses. We'll talk about that a little bit. But what I what I really want to talk about here is the fact that the Packers were granted ample time and space a very high percentage of the time on twenty five of forty two dropbacks, sixty percent. So that would normally that would cost you the game under normal circumstances. But the six sacks that the Ravens got, despite the fact that they only got seventeen non ample time and space opportunities were largely a function of the secondary holding up for an extended period against Hundley. So they made it difficult for Hundley to find a, 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 a target, even though he's strolling around the pocket at will, usually rolling out also, and uh, had you know four, five, six seconds on some of these plays, and he made some really poor decisions at the end. So even when they had ample time and space, which I define as a three-second pocket and the ability to step into your throw, uh, even when he had that, he gave up three sacks and had two quarterback hits that he took. So that's really unusual. Uh, for a, a whole season, Flacco might have about four sacks he takes with ample time and space. So they're, they're very unusual. Now, see, I, that, I saw that develop throughout the game, and that had me a little bit concerned because of the amount of time he was, we were giving him. Mm-hmm. A good quarterback doesn't let you get away with that. You're, you're right. I mean, Green Bay certainly has good receivers, and I think Green Bay's receivers are pretty good about working their routes through to extend them because of the kind of quarterback they have. Because Hundley is a scrambler, and he, he can create a secondary pocket. Um, you know, they, they complete their routes, whereas I, it's something I have a problem with with the Ravens receivers is I don't think they work to complete a route uh, beyond about four seconds. And, right. and so when, when, when Flacco is granted extra time, he still checks down because nobody's still running their routes in the secondary. All right. You know, uh, right. So and, they, 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 the Ravens, I guess, stayed back and just waited and let Hunley make the mistakes. Yeah, and he sure did. He made a bunch of mistakes. If you, uh, if you look at the success they had by the number of pass rushers, uh, by far the most thing most they did is rush four. They did it 31 times. That included four sacks and three turnovers, uh, and all those uh, uh, three interceptions in that case. An average of 3.8 yards per play. The one time they rushed three, they got a 13-yard sack out of it. Uh, and then they, they rushed five ten times. And they, in that case, I kind of think you're doing Hundley a favor to get his receivers open. And uh, those ten plays, they had eight and a half yards per play. So, uh, obviously, more was less for Dean Pease in terms of the pass rush this week. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's something, again, that keeps bringing up that question of, of how good is this Ravens defense. And I feel like I've been asking this question uh, since week one as I can't figure out this team. But hopefully that means other teams cannot figure them out either. Right. Um, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to see them have a little bit of variation of game plan. I'd like <laughs> them to, to show that, you know, it's P's can – Blitz six six times when it's the right thing to do, and obviously that wasn't the right thing to do here. And he was he had called a great game. You, nothing can't say anything bad about Dean Pease coming out of the game. He got the dime on when he should have. He was effective at beating the no huddle to get the dime on for the most part. You know they'll improve on it. And they can do a little better. The the pass rush worked out. You'd have to say uh, you know they stopped the run effectively. Just everything really went right this week. But when they do play a different quarterback. I want to see that they'll try a different strategy to, to beat him. All right. Well, uh, I will find out, I guess, this, this week with the Texans. Monday night at home, that's going to be a huge game. It, it, it sure will. So an AFC game, obviously, that's big because winning an NFC game, this was not a must-win for the Ravens. It helped a lot. Right. And, and obviously what it says about the team is more important than, than the actual win itself. But 
they the uh, AFC game they can't really afford to lose one at home that they should win like the Texans, and uh, this will do wonders for their playoff chances if they win it. Great, good to hear. Uh, let's look at a few individual players, and let's start with Willie Henry because he had two sacks. Yeah, Willie Henry had two sacks, and so he had half a sack coming into this game, so he quintupled his NFL total of sacks, got his first two full ones. Um, both of them were kind of uh, slow-developing sacks where he cleaned up effectively. The first one was on an ATS situation. The second one, there was pressure before he got the sack, but he, he cleaned up. So uh, in, in any case, I was excited to have him chase down the play. I'm very excited about how much of a motor Henry has for a big man. Uh, he's got the ability to elevate, got the ability to beat double teams. He's got a good first step. There's just a lot of things to like about Willie Henry. He played 52 defensive snaps in this game, and he's now leading the team, uh, leading the linemen in snaps on a regular basis. I do think it would be better if he played a few less snaps and was more rested as the pass rusher. Um, Pearson and Williams each played a little fewer snaps than I would have hoped or expected them to in this game. Okay. Uh, Bowser, I'm not regretting the jersey purchase yet, but he's not getting much playing time. No, it's, it's such a crowded outside linebacker position. And, of course, we talked about that in previous weeks to, to talk about why Correa's move to inside linebacker was probably a good one. But, but Bowser had uh, only six snaps in this game. He batted a pass down on his very first snap. So you think, if anything's going to earn him more snaps if he could play like that. Right. And then he, he, he did not do anything except come close on a pressure one other time. He had four pass rush snaps. Uh, actually rushed the quarterback three times, dropped coverage once, and then he also had two run snaps. So uh, good game for Tyus. He has got to get his playing time at some point, but the Ravens are just a very crowded group of outside linebackers. All right. Uh, fun guy to watch, Matt Judon. Another another one of the crowded competition there. Outstanding game. Two sacks, a forced fumble. Uh, he only played 38 snaps, so he's very well rested in those terms. He's had five sacks and 25 tackles now in his last five games. I just He was a pleasure to watch in this game. Uh, he was the beneficiary of Suggs' incredibly savvy play where uh, Suggs actually diagnosed a screen pass after the guy was already by him, then still dropped in to cut off the passing lane. Hundley brought the ball down, and Judon took care of the rest with a 12-yard sack, 13-yard sack. Right. Um and then uh, Zedaria Smith, he made himself known. Oh, Zedaria Smith, huge game in this one. And, and it kind of went unnoticed because he didn't pick up a sack and three guys had two sacks. So right there, he's going to be the, the kind of the left out. But he had three quarterback hits in the game. And the three quarterback hits, the first one was an intercepted by Weddle. And he hit the guy as, as, uh, as the ball was coming out. And that was a horrible floating pass that Weddle intercepted. The second intentional grounding... Uh, was uh, sorry. The second quarterback hit ended up being an intentional grounding for Hundley. So intentional grounding is ten yards and a loss of down. So effectively, that is a sack, but uh, but it didn't doesn't count in the stats that way, unfortunately for Zanarius. Right. And then his third, he got a quarterback hit late in the game, two twenty five to go, and the ball floated out to Humphrey, overthrow to uh, to Jordy Nelson, and Humphrey took it back to the three yard line. So great game for Zanarius Smith in terms of the effect of his pass rush. All right. Uh, you mentioned Terrell Suggs and his defense is savvy. How did he do the rest of the games? Good game? It was a good game. I, I didn't put him on my list of MVPs because I, he had two early uh, offsides slash neutral zone infractions, which, which held the Ravens up on the first drive and threatened the shutout. But he did have two sacks in the game, and he really should get an assist on a third sack. Uh, he also had a forced fumble. So, you know, he did an awful lot well, but, uh, but he did have those two offsides penalties, so I, I left him off my list. Plus, he seems to be on the list every, every week this year. So, very fine year for Terrell. I think in, in this case, honestly, he took advantage of a couple of tackles who shouldn't be there normally in the NFL. Uh, not only did the, the, were the two uh, tackles that the Packers started not normal starters, they had a guy hurt at right tackle and replaced by yet another depth charge into the practice squad <laughs> where they uh, uh, brought on Spriggs to, uh, to play some. So Suggs did, had a good game, but he would not normally be able to do that to uh, average 
offensive tackle talent in the NFL. All right. Um, Hill was inactive this week, which meant it was Webb and Kennedy uh, sharing roles. How do you think that played out? Yeah, that's that's right. So Webb played 18 snaps. All his snaps came at slot corner. Kennedy played 33 snaps. Those were mostly at slot corner, but he played on the last drive, and it might have been even a little bit more than that. He played at right corner replacing Jimmy Smith. So Kennedy got his first real trial on the outside, but the 33 snaps is a very good sign for him. Love him for next year as a long corner who can move to the outside. He had something happen in this game, and actually Jimmy Smith bailed him out. But the initial, the, the, the interception by Smith, it started with three receivers on the right side in a bunch formation. So there's three of them over there. And when you have that, you kind of automatically play zone on that side and not man, which means your, your three players are each responsible for patrolling a certain depth um, rather than patrolling a, a specific man because they can cross each other in various ways. So it started like that. The three of them were over there. Three, uh, two corners and a safety were over there. And then uh, Cobb, who's the most dangerous receiver they have, motioned to the left side, and Kennedy was late chasing him. And he ended up in no man's land, you know, two-thirds of the way over to the uh, right side, sorry, to the left side as the play was snapped. And Hundley noticed it, immediately threw the ball up for Cobb in the end zone, and Jimmy Smith dropped off his own coverage assignment and floated, you know, just floated back a little bit in the end zone and had an easy pick on the play. But a uh, very alert play by Smith to drop off his own man, realize what Reed Hundley so quickly, or that probably would have been a touchdown and the shutout would have been ruined. Yeah, um, the secondary played really well, it seemed like, this week. Um, let's close out with Weddle and Jefferson. I, it was one more I want to really mention okay. in this one. We, we, we maybe could have talked about him early, but it's Marlon Humphrey. Oh, I totally forgot about Humphrey. His first interception. First interception in this game, but had a great game in general. He allowed two two completions, 14 and 11 yards. One, he denied any kind of yak. The other one was on a slant to Devontae Adams. It would have been very hard to defend. Um, but, but he also had a beautiful punch out on the right sideline versus Adams when Adams just made a catch on the sideline. And uh, Humphrey turned around late, but then punched the ball loose. It's just a great strip that you rarely see. Unfortunately, the last time I can really remember seeing a strip that good was... Sterling on Sterling Moore on Lee Evans in the end zone at New England. You got to so, bring uh, that up. Yeah, you got to bring it up. Anyway, I, I, I deal with analogy always through Ravens history. That's right. kind of my way, so you know how I am. Uh, but then anyway, late in the game, he collected his first career interception, ran it back to the three-yard line, obviously very excited about it because he thought it secured the shutout. Then they scored on the next play, and they gave the, the, they gave the Packers another chance to advance the football. But the Packers at that point had had enough. They packed it in and ran the ball. Um, and uh, ended up not converting even one first down and punting uh, on fourth down. So great game for Humphrey. I think he's got the start now. He replaced Carr after uh, Carr had played the first, I want to say, 22 snaps. No, it was less than that. might have been 17 snaps. And Carr had allowed two uh, long completions, a 17 and a 33 on the first drive. And Humphrey then replaced him, played the last 49 snaps, and I believe he now has the job at left corner until uh, something else changes. So it makes sense. Your first-round draft pick should be starting. And now it looks like he's got his job. So, and, and so what does this mean for Carr's future? Well, I think two things. For this year, Jimmy Smith is, is still walking wounded, apparently. And as great as he's playing, they're going to need to continue to replace him for about a third of the snaps per game. So Carr, I think, probably moves into the Humphrey role and re- replaces Jimmy Smith for maybe a third of the snaps per okay. game. Uh, and maybe more than that, if, if the Ravens have, start having some games wrapped up, they're going to want to really, really take it easy with Jimmy Smith. Um, and, and I think that Humphrey plays every snap basically the rest of the season. I think he moves into the car role, does not, does not leave the field. And then we, we continue to see what we've seen, which is some combination of, of Webb, Kennedy, and Hill in the slot. And for next year, that's the other thing. I guess it's, it's likely the Ravens will not pick up the option on car, which we kind of mentioned in the, in the defensive uh, roster evaluation. Right. Uh, they save $4 million by not doing it. And they they uh, can you have Kennedy, Jimmy Smith, and Humphrey then as their three primary outside corners, and there's almost no other team in the league that has that kind of depth. 
That's awesome. That's exciting. Uh, we're not ne- even no- not just now, but the future as well. There you go. All right. Uh, real quick, Weddle and Jefferson. Before we get to our MVPs. Yeah, I mean, Weddle and Jefferson. This is an important usage point. Is I think that they really looked back at these two over the bye and said it is really appropriate to change the utilization of them because we, we've mentioned that Eric Weddle has had really a kind of a bad year close to the line of scrimmage. He's had trouble tackling. Uh, the big tackle where he tried for the strip against uh, Howard of Chicago cost him the ball game. And he's, on the other hand, has played very well in the back end, had his fourth interception in 10 games. And interceptions are not that common in the NFL anymore. So that's, uh, that's a really good total. Whereas Jefferson, uh, he came to the Ravens with more of a tag of being a close to the line of scrimmage guy, more of a pure strong safety. Uh, really good t- coverage on the tight end skills and good run defense skills. He put those on display like no, no, like nobody in the game yesterday. Two really nice run tackles, one for a gain of two, one for a, a gain of nothing. Uh, they were both very impressive. He came way off the line of scrimmage for that, uh, that stuff for no gain. That was just extremely impressive. Uh, so anyway, I'm happy with the way Jefferson was used. I think there, there are more opportunities for the Ravens to play single high, get Jefferson on the tight end directly, and use some short-range coverage skills that I think he's, he's better suited for. And, and in some ways, he's like Levine in that I, you can't, couldn't really trust Levine to play on the back end effectively, I don't think. But Levine has terrific anticipation and ball skills in, in underneath coverage, and, and I love him there. And then he, you can also add his, his skills as a pass rusher. So, uh, you know, Jefferson crawl, creeps up the line of scrimmage, supports the run very well, and I think the Ravens have finally come to that conclusion. I think we'll see much more of... Well on the back end and Jefferson up front the rest of the way. All right. Um, that's, again, all stuff to look forward to. And I think you talked a few weeks ago about the usage of Jefferson, so it was nice to see that adjustment be made. Uh, let's get to our defensive MVPs. All right. So do you, you want to start with number three? You want sure. Me to start? I've got number three, and I've got Zedaria Smith for his three big hits, uh, really getting involved with those two interceptions especially outstanding choice and you know i'm looking at this back and forth zadarius was the guy that i really thought about adding that i didn't you could make a case for a number of players here obviously in a 23 to nothing win my third pick marlon humphrey great game seems to have secured that lcb spot we'll see where it goes from here very excited to have such a promising player and let's see what he can do all right my number Two is Chris Hewitt, the secondary coach, because I don't remember the last time the Ravens secondary has played this well. You know, that's a really good one in terms of that. They, they, they gave forever, and they, they certainly gave the pass rush time to get home. I love that pick. And uh, normally, you know, when you pick the cat and this and that, you know, I'm not all that. That's well, I'm, not, really I'm not done yet, but yeah. That's <laughs> no, and I, that's because I wanted to, I was, <laughs> I was figuring out, well, who do I give this to? And I said, well, I could give it to Jimmy Smith. Well, actually, Weddle or Humphrey had his first. Or, yeah. So they all had great games. They all played well. Okay. So my, my number two pick goes to Patrick Owasu. I don't think he was the one responsible for the 10 men on the field. Not that that meant the game, but Owasu went down to the bottom of that pile and fought for a football that had already been recovered by the Packers and took it away from him. That's great play in the NFL, led the team in tackles with 10, and he had two really nice plays where he exemplified what's going on in that secondary. He had extended coverage twice, which denied completions, and he he kept his coverage radius such that those balls had to be overthrown both times, and and I was very impressed with that. So great all-around game from Patrick. All right. Uh, it's always good to see new names on the defensive stars list. And uh, my number one is Brett Hundley because I still have <laughs> concerns of maybe this is just a bad quarterback. Oh, boy. You won't let it go, will you? Well, Third shot under the air here. Uh, should I go back to the middle of the show when you said the Ravens sat back and let Hundley make his own mistakes? Well, you, you, you know, if you're, using, if you're just going to quote me, and I'm going to be just upset about I mean, this. I'm you just know, gonna say you're right. So you're, you're, you're right. I, I, I mean, probably should have had Hundley second, and I probably should have put Chris Hewitt as number one. But uh, either way, the second. I can understand either way. It's, it's a legitimate concern is that the Ravens are, are going to have more trouble with better quarterbacks. Uh, this is not a bad offense. I mean, they've got good receivers, but they do also have a lousy offensive line, and you could have blamed it on them too. Yeah, so. but if you want to play a fun game, look at the Ravens' schedule and look at what – 
we would classify as real quarterbacks that they've faced. It's it's yeah, the NFL it's not does much. not have many great quarterbacks right now. Right, and they there's and there's no middle class in the NFL. So you got the you got the top quarterbacks. There's no middle class in terms of dollars, but there's also it doesn't seem like there's a big middle class in terms of ability yeah. either. And then there's a bunch of guys at the bottom. Oh, say so Roethlisberger so. beat us, and that's a, every other is a lower end quarterback that we've played. Mm-hmm. Right, well, Blake Blake Bortles beat him and, and beat him pretty badly. So uh, anyway, it yeah. is what it is. I'm gonna give you my number one pick is Matthew Judon. Uh, terrific game for Judon, and and I've left him off the list a couple times when he could have been, but uh, he's performing at a very high level. 38 snaps to do what he did, have two sacks, have that forced fumble that uh, that Owasu eventually recovered. Uh, very impressive game, and um, uh, he's made a large leap in these last five weeks to being a much better player than I was I was sure that he would be. He was just one of the competitors for an outside linebacker position. Now he's got the sand job and he's he's got it nailed down. Bowser is not really threatening him at this point. Smith has been transferred to be an inside pass rusher. So it's really uh, it's really mostly Matthew Judon and Suggs sharing those uh, key outside linebacker roles. All right. Uh, now it's time for the film study mailbag. Head on over to Twitter. Send your questions in for Ken using the hashtag film study mailbag. And uh, let's start with Mr. Ed at Vengeance says, okay. it seems like Dean used more four-man rushes in this game than several previous. How often did other teams do the same against Green Bay? That's an okay. intricate question. Not sure if you have that okay. answer prepared. Well, I have, I have it for the Ravens' pass rush in this game. First of all, 31 out of 42 times, the Ravens rushed four. One time, they rushed three, and ten times, they rushed five. So the 31 times they rushed four, the Packers averaged only 3.8 yards per play, were sacked four times, and turned the ball over three times. Now, what I don't have is the other part of his question. Right, other teams. Which is, you know, how often did other teams rush the passer against the Packers? So, I'm sorry, Mr. Ed. I'd love to answer your question. I'd love to know the answer to your question, but I don't have it for you. All right. Uh, Edgar, Edgar Catano asks, are you noticing any change the last couple of games on the way the two safeties, Weddle and uh, Tony, are used as a He's saying use Weddle more as a uh, CF and Tony as a box safety. Yeah, so Weddle more as a center fielder, and that's I think exactly what he's doing. He's playing uh, the back end safety, as we'd call it. Uh, it's interesting because the Ravens have to, and I think we've covered some of this, Edgar, and I, I know you, you appreciate that fact that, that I do really believe that Weddle's being played on the back end more and Tony's being played more up front, and I think it's a conscious decision coming out of the bye to change the defense and make that more of the... Uh, other thing. I certainly hope it is. Um, it's interesting. There's two things about your question I really like. First of all, the box safety. I have heard Pee's bristle at that term when he's asked a question about it. Do you see so-and-so as more of a box safety? Because, you know, that's kind of an old-timey term, and he gets real upset if you, if you bring that up. So if you ever meet him, that'd be a great thing to bring up and see, see how he reacts to it. You know, what do you think about this box safety here and there? But the other thing about center fielder is Weddle, obviously, is, is long in the tooth, and Despite the fact that he's now playing pretty well, has four interceptions, and you know, the, I think there's a reasonable chance he'll return to being closer to the Eric Weddle of 2016 than the Eric Weddle of early 2017 for the rest of the season. But the Ravens still need to think about drafting their next great safety. And it's a, it's a pick that if they really want a playmaker, they're probably going to have to think about assigning their first-round draft pick to it. So oftentimes this is a... A pick between five and ten, you get the best safety in the draft. After the the best two quarterbacks are gone, the best left tackle's gone, the best two pass rushers gone. Then there's maybe a corner also, but but anyway, usually between five and ten somewhere is the best safety in the draft. Ravens may not be perfectly set for it this year, but uh, maybe there's two guys in one draft and the, and they get somebody with the 14th or 16th or even the 21st pick. Ed Reed went number 24, so. Uh, that was in the day when people devalued the position a little bit. Now they know, and they spend more. All right. Um, you addressed this a little bit, but Cardi Matt, do you think Marlon Humphrey will take on Carr's starting position from now on? Yeah, I think it's I think it's his to lose at this point. He played the last 49 snaps of the game. Go by words, sorry, go by actions and ignore words when it comes to this, whatever the coaches will say. 
the coaches will say, oh, Carr's going to be back. He's going to play a lot for us. There'll be a rotation. There'll be this. There'll be that. I don't believe it. Um, Carr played every snap of the year coming into this. I think they basically want to play two corners. If they can do it, they couldn't do it because of Jimmy's health. So now it'll be Carr replacing Jimmy for maybe 30 35% of his snaps. Jimmy playing two-thirds of the snaps on one side. And I, I believe Humphrey will basically play every snap uh, that he's healthy for the rest of the year. All right. Uh, Rob McDonald asks about Suggs. How many times in his career would you estimate future Hall of Famer Terrell Sizzles or T-Sizzle has masterfully destroyed a screenplay by diagnosing it? <laughs> many, many times. The Ravens have an unbelievable track record of having their linebackers. And I think uh, Wink Martindale, who is their, their uh, linebackers coach, is, is probably the, the key to this, although there's probably some player-to-player -player teaching as well. In terms of teaching uh, good outside linebacker play where you, you foil the screen pass. And Suggs, he, just, he understands the set of indicators that give away a screen very well. If I had a sports analogy, I'd talk about Joe Morgan in the 1970s, consecutive MVP awards, I'm sure you know who he is, uh, for the Reds, but he's a great base stealer at that point. And they always said, don't ever pitch out against Joe Morgan. It's a complete waste of time because he has all of these different cues he's looking for. And if he sees one, he'll look for the second and he'll look for the third. And he'll just be there smiling at first base when you pitch out and you'll have given away a ball. So no reason to do it. And, and Sizzle's the same way. I think he probably has five or six or seven cues he looks for. Something away about the way the quarterback is shifty-eyed before the snap. Something about the furtive glance he gets from that fullback on his side. If that guard does something to move his foot a certain way, he knows that, the, that he's coming over to try and get in front of the play. And he, he's extremely good. One of the things to do is I think he baited the the uh, uh, Packers and Hundley into thinking that screen pass was going to work by actually starting to rush. He may have well picked up on it. And then the guy was p past him, and he actually was able to drop back. And now Hundley's, oh, crap, what do I do with the football now? And then another half second later, Judon you know, flattened him on the ground for a 13-yard loss. So he is one of the great things that Sizzle done. His, his instinctiveness is at such a high level. It'd be a shame if he cannot coach at, at some point. I think I mean that's the same thing we said about Ed Reed that he could he could be a good coach if he wanted to down the road. That's right. So, all right. Uh, again, get your questions in to at Film Study Mailbag or I guess hashtag Film Study Mailbag on Twitter or pound sign if you're a uh, older gentleman. <laughs> oh so, boy! All right, Ken. Uh, what is up on Russell Street uh, report right now? Okay, so we've got, we've got articles coming on the offensive line. There'll be an article coming Wednesday in all likelihood. We will record our podcast tomorrow. That's right, Josh. And yeah. we'll have it post on Wednesday. Yeah, yep. we we're doing everything a little early this year, cause, uh, this week, because of Thanksgiving. Okay, and that, that'll be wonderful. Hope, hope you have a great Thanksgiving. You follow, follow me at Film Study Ravens. And otherwise, you're on Russell Street Report Film Study. And tell them about your show, Josh. Yeah, you can. Here. Yep, you can follow me at Josh Soroka on Twitter. Uh, my show is Section 336, and we talk Baltimore sports. I'm sure this week we'll get into uh, some of the conversations that have been going around about the Orioles interested in pitching. Plus, the Orioles signed a right-hand pitcher that you've never heard of. So we'll get into hey. that. Who, who was that? Oh, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, okay. Uh, was it a foreign, foreign guy, or was it a, what was it? No. Um, no, now you're making me, uh, I'm I, sorry. I do not have it in front of me. I'll listen to the show. I don't want to spoil the show anyway. Uh, we haven't recorded this show yet, so I got I to gotta look up. I Remember, I was out of the country this week, so I'm guessing they signed someone. I saw stuff come across my phone that they signed some right-hand picture that I never heard of, so I'm assuming the listener also hadn't heard of them. Uh, okay. I think he's just a bullpen guy. Okay. But there's all, I mean, there's rumors of, of guys the Orioles are interested in, so that's what we'll get into, I'm sure. Okay. You didn't do any scouting on your trip, you know, because there's a lot of cricket players there. Remember that movie? Yeah. Um, no, I did not see – I we did not leave the boat a whole lot. And most <laughs> of the people, I'd say 99% uh, of the people on the boat, not very athletic. So it would be okay. <laughs> So. All right, so the people my age, that's what you're saying. Uh, no, I'm saying much older than you and much larger than you. We're the two okay. demographics. 
So <laughs> very good. Okay. All right. If they were younger, maybe a few linemen. All right, very so, good. All right, Ken. Well, uh, have a good night, and we'll talk later this week. All right, Josh. Have a great Thanksgiving. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.